Hello and welcome to another episode of Unstuck with Hypnopunk Transformation with Edge and today's episode is entitled The Hero's Journey. How Hollywood and best-selling authors have literally cracked the code or stolen the code from a man called Joseph Campbell from about the 1930s. On your life, on my life, on the narrative that runs through each movie that you're inspired by, whether it be that Harry Potter, The Matrix, Star Wars, or any kind of superhero movie, even The Wizard of Oz. And how this narrative runs throughout all of our lives and joins us all. And when you understand the narrative, how you can start to understand your life better and reframe challenges in your life. All that to come. As always, I'd like to give a big shout out for those who have left their five star reviews. You remember, I love those on Google Play, on iTunes, on Spotify, on YouTube, wherever you listen to this show. And that's what lets me know that the word is getting out there. So please um, do subscribe to the show. Do give it a like and do share so we can continue to grow this audience. The hero's journey, it's a story we've seen many times over. An unlikely hero embarks on a journey that they've been thrusted upon them. Along the way, the hero makes some allies and enemies, maybe even falls in love. At the outset, they become stronger and wiser than they were when they embarked on the journey. No matter what genre or setting of the story, the central narrative follows the hero's journey structure. This is known in literature circles as the monomyth or in pop culture as the hero's journey. Now the hero's journey has 12 distinct phases. Now I'm going to share these phases with you today and how I look at them when clients come to see me for personal change work and I'm also going to detail them in five popular movies that are out there and show you how the hero's journey takes place in these movies so the 12 steps in the hero's journey is step number one the ordinary world the hero is introduced in their ordinary world, the mundane ordinary world is presented in stark contrast with the special world that the hero will enter when they accept their quest. In Spider-Man, Peter Parker is introduced as a regular, nerdy teenager from Queens, up in Queens, New York. Quite the opposite of the kick-ass crime stopper and neighbourhood best friend called Spider-Man that he becomes. Number two, step two is the call to action. The initiating incident of the story takes place. The hero is introduced to the challenge or problem that their quest will seek to overcome. In Star Wars, the call to adventure comes in the form of Princess Leia's message delivered by R2-D2. Step three in the hero's journey is the refusal of the call. The hero hesitates to accept the call to adventure. This could be because they don't feel that they have the skills to take on the quest or they don't want to leave the life they already know. They're in a comfort zone. 
In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, Frodo is reluctant to leave his comfortable and familiar life in the Shire in order to face the unknown dangers that await him on his journey. Step 4 in a hero's journey, meeting with the mentor. The hero meets a wise, usually older man or woman. The mentor guides the hero in gaining supplies and knowledge needed to embark on the adventure. However, the mentor can only go so far with the hero. In one of my favourite movies, The Matrix, this is where Neo meets Morpheus, who tells him to take the red pill or the blue pill. Step number five in the hero's journey narrative, crossing the first threshold. The hero commits wholeheartedly to the adventure and integrates it into the special world. There's no turning back from this point. In Spider-Man, Peter crosses the threshold when he catches the thief who killed dear old Uncle Ben and realises that he must use his powers to stop crime. Because, as we all know, with great power comes great responsibility. Step six in the hero's journey, test allies and enemies. The hero explores the special world, faces trials and tribulations, makes friends and enemies along the way. In Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, this is the part where Harry adjusts to life in the wizarding world, makes friends with Ron Weasley and Hermione Granger and becomes enemies with Dranko Malfoy. Listen, I've never watched Harry Potter, but I understand that this narrative runs through that movie as well. So I may have mispronounced some of those names. Remember, send your hate emails to mail at lukenosis.com. Step number seven in the hero's journey, approach to the innermost cave. The hero draws closer to the centre of the story and that special world. Often, this innermost cave is where the objective or the alexia of the quest is hidden. The object of the quest may be an actual treasure or a symbolic achievement. The innermost cave takes the form of the Death Star in Star Wars. Luke and his companions must infiltrate the ship and save Leah. Number eight, the ordeal. The heroes push to the brink of death or loss and faces the greatest challenge yet. It is through this struggle that the hero experiences a process of death and rebirth. Figuratively or literally, in The Lion King, Simba's ordeal means he must face the guilt he feels for his father's death and reclaim He's right to Pride Rock, which has been taken over by Scar. Step number nine on the hero's journey is the reward. The hero experiences the consequences of surviving death, again, figuratively or literally, and retrieves the object of their quest. It's often at this point that a hero is a love scene with their love interest and reconciles with their enemies. In Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Harry passes the obstacles barring the Philosopher's Stone and discovers the stone has appeared in his pocket. Number 10, the road back. The hero returns to the ordinary world or continues onwards to an ultimate destination. But their trials aren't over just yet. They are often pushed by a vengeful force that they must face or pursued by a vengeful force that they must face. In the Lord of the Rings trilogy, this is where Gollum confronts Frodo at the ledge of the volcano and tries to take the ring back from him. 
11. The resurrection. The hero emerges from the special world, fundamentally changed by their experiences. In The Lion King, Simba learns the truth that it was Scar who orchestrated Musafa's death and Simba throws Scar of Pride Rock in order to reclaim his place, his rightful place in that Disney kingdom as king. 12. The final step, the return of the Alexia. The hero brings with them the object of their quest which they use to better the ordinary world in some way whether it's through knowledge, a cure or some form of protection. In the Matrix, armed with knowledge of the truth, Neo delivers a, delivers a message to the Matrix that will save humanity. Now this narrative runs through just about every movie and every book you can imagine out there. And also, through people's process to overcome, this is a narrative that's been modelled on many, many coaches over time by the by the gentleman who developed this, uh, Joseph Campbell. He noticed that in every single culture, whether they spoke English or not, this was a narrative that would run through their stories. So how would you apply the hero's journey to your own life? Or how does it apply to the kind of clients I see? Well, let's look back at stage number one, which is the ordinary world. So when I put this in the context of, of people coming to see me, it's a bit like this. Step number one, the ordinary world. The client has a problem, but they don't realise it just yet. So it's like, like that scene in The Matrix where Morpheus says to Neo, well, excuse me, when Neo says to Morpheus, you know, I've, I've always knew that something was wrong and like there was a splinter in my brain. You probably know there's something wrong at step one, but you don't quite know what it is, like that splinter to your brain. That's when most clients come to me. Step one is they've got a splinter, metaphorically, in their brain. Step number two is the call to adventure. The client realises they have a problem and they need to do something about it. Number three, refusal of the call. Client is scared or they procrastinate. They refuse to give up their comfort of the problem. Now, that might sound a little bit weird, but no matter what the problem is, the longer the client's had the problem, on some unconscious level, there's a level of comfort, the level in what, which they know. If, if client has back pain, chronic back pain, they've had it for 30 years, even though, of course, they don't want it consciously, they're kind of on some level comfortable with it or the client has been suffering from the symptoms of depression for 10 or 15 years. Of course, consciously they don't want it, but unconsciously they've got used to this. The biochemistry, their physiology, their thoughts and feelings have got used to this. And the fear of the unknown is, what is it if I give this up? What will I lose? Number four, meeting with the mentor. Client meets with me. They give me a call. We have the screening. Or they come in for a session and they gain insight and tools to change their problem. Stage number five, crossing the first threshold. The client commits wholeheartedly to the work with me, to the work with themselves, to the session. And they realize there's no turning back. They've got to do whatever it takes, as long as it is safe and ethical and non-fattening. Number six, tests allies, enemies, the client is tested by the universe, friends, families, demons and faces trials. 
i.e. they go back, they leave the session, they, the client come in and they're a non-smoker and they, they, they came in and they wanted a cigarette, their craving was a 10 out of 10, they leave it to 0 out of 10. And then suddenly their friends are like, oh, you, you went for that hypnosis? Does that stuff really work? Implying a suggestion that it didn't work. And the client then has to start to, did it work? I'm not sure. Starts to unravel potentially what happened. Another example is the client that has some kind of addiction. They come in, we wipe out the addiction. Yet they go back into the same circle of friends that have that same addiction. And their friends are tempting them like the demon back into that addiction. Not necessarily because their friends are bad people and they want to hurt them, but they just don't want to lose their friend and their connection is that addiction, whether that be weed, whether that be cocaine, heroin, alcohol, whatever it is. Number seven, approach to the innermost cave. The client gets closer to the goal, gets client gets closer to their work, whether that be letting go of the anxiety, dissolving the depression, curing the chronic pain or deleting the addiction getting closer to that transformation a symbolic achievement an example of this again is a client that came in they were scared of spiders even if they saw a spider on a tv screen a computer screen a tablet screen they got terrified 10 out of 10 fear and suddenly one day they're looking through their Facebook feed and someone's posted a, a potentially scary picture of a big tarantula with hairy legs and the client no longer responds to the way they used to. Now, the spider is not on their hands, but they used to respond to it on the screen. It didn't need to be in their hands, but they no longer have that fear response. Number eight, the ordeal. The client is pushed to the edge and faces the greatest challenge. The client comes out of the darkness and experiences the pain or reimagines the problem that might be halfway into a session potentially with me they get into a, a little bit of darkness their, their shadow as Carl Jung say it comes up some uncomfortable stuff comes up they don't want to think about it they don't want to experience it. they're not coming to me because they want to feel more discomfort but what I say to my clients to the level of which they can allow themselves to go there in a safe environment of a session with me and the work we're doing the level at which they can associate to that pain there is the level at which they can let go of it and be free of it once and for all. Number nine, the reward. The client survives this and realizes that they can do this. They can look at that picture of a tarantula. Maybe they can see the picture of the tarantula. Maybe they could see one in someone else's hand close to them. Perhaps they could just pet it with their finger. Perhaps they could even have it on their hand. But there's, there's faith there. They know that they can do this. Number 10, the road back. The client goes back to their life. They leave the therapy room, for want of a better word. And they're confronted with the past. Triggers people they must face, whether that be family members, exes, old partners, friends, people that, that were a part of the problem. They always say a great way of testing just how evolved you are. If you've done a lot of work on yourself, you feel you've done a lot of work, a lot of meditating, a lot of hypnosis, a lot of therapy. You really want to test yourself? Go and be around your family, your mum, your dad, your siblings, over Christmas, Thanksgiving, Canada Day, and that will test you to your brink of just how much you've changed. Number 11, the resurrection. The client emerges from the sessions, our work together, changed by their experiences. They know it's gone. Not having the panic attacks anymore. Not having the craving for sugar anymore. Not finding that cigarette unconsciously in their mouth anymore. They're on the other side. And step 
12. The return to Alexia. The client brings back their changes, whether that be symbolic or some tangible change. And they bring that back to better the world, cure some form of protection, or sorry, carry some form of protection, a message with them. This is often times when I tell my clients, don't tell your friends, your family about the work we've done together. When you know that this has worked and it's worked now, because you feel that gone, and your partner, your friends say, hey, I haven't seen you smoke. You were smoking 50 cigarettes a day. What's going on? A second time I've been around you and you're not smoking. That's when you tell them about me and the work we've done. Or the client that was, or the partner or friend that was so used to you having that, that back pain that you had for many, many years. Don't tell them about me. Don't tell them about hypnosis. Just have resistance to it. But when people see you living your life pain-free, they're going to ask you, hey, I've what happened to your back pain? I've been around you a few times now and you haven't complained about it. That's when you tell them about me and the work that we've done together. Or when you, you start to lose weight and someone hasn't seen you for a while, but it's like, John, you've lost a lot of weight. Or so you're on some kind of diet. That's when you tell them about me and the kind of work that we've done. That's the Excelsior. That's how you spread the word. That's how you spread the message coming back. So that's how the hero's journey, I've translated it into what it looks like with me and working with clients and the kind of change that they go through. If there's something in your life that's been causing you to feel stuck, be that in your health, be that in your relationships, be that in your career, and you're not quite sure how to fix it or where to turn, but it's getting to a point where you've got to do something about it because it's causing you some kind of pain, be that physical, be that mental, be that emotional then please do contact me on mail at lukenosis.com mail m-a-i-l at lukenosis l-u-k-e-n-o-s-i-s.com and request a 30-minute complimentary unstuck session with me either over the telephone or over some kind of video messaging and please understand this is not a free therapy session this is not a hypnosis session anything like that it's an opportunity to have me in your corner for 30 minutes to brainstorm some ways and um, potentially i can help you to pull yourself out of that hole that you're in to take your life to the next level always believe